but chapter number four of Ephesians. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, even as we are called, and one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first in the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Sound familiar? That's where we were Sunday night, amen. I, I, I tried to... I, was, I tried to space this out so we wouldn't overlap, but here we are. Uh, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. But, speaketh, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in, uh, into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, for whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, make an increase of the body and unto the edifying of itself in love. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so, be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God has created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth to it with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Let's pray. To Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you again for this evening. Well, what a blessing it's been, Lord, just to be uh, here tonight, Lord, to hear the prayers and the praise of people, Lord, to hear the songs that have been sung, God. They're more than just uh, well sung, God, but they are songs that are true, that help us, Lord. There is nothing, God, really in our past life outside, outside of the grace of God and, Lord, before our salvation, 
God, that is worth going back to, Lord, and is worth living like and allowing to, to run our lives. We ask you, Lord, tonight that, Lord, our hearts would always stay fervent and, and heated towards you, Lord, and that we would have a heart that is hungering and thirsting after righteousness, Lord. And we ask you, Lord, this evening, God, that you take the word of God, Lord, your word that we've read this, this evening, God, and help us with it tonight, Lord. I pray, Lord, that, that we would never get tired of hearing and reading and studying the word of God. Lord, within your word is life. Lord, within your word is truth. Within your word is help. God, that only, uh, Lord, that you can give us, Lord. And I ask you, Lord, tonight that you do exactly that. Would you hide me behind the cross of Calvary? God, would you get me out of myself, Lord, and fill me with the spirit of God? Lord, I just want to be a mouthpiece tonight. I just want to be used for your glory. Lord, I love you, and I thank you, Lord, for all that you've done. Lord, in Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Ephesians chapter number four, as we continue our study of Ephesians, we, we've come now to chapter number four tonight, and if, and if the Lord has his way, and it's, as I've planned out, we'll be in chapter number five next week. But so far, we've looked at chapter number one, and we looked at the truth that we are in Christ. We are positionally in Christ because of, of our salvation. And chapter number two says, well, how did we get in Christ? Well, we got in Christ by grace through faith. It's how we got in Christ. Chapter number three is our identity, who we are now that we're in Christ. Remember, we are partakers, we're prisoners, and we're pupils. We're constantly learning from the word of God. Then we come down to chapter number four tonight, and we're going to continue to build on that truth of being in Christ. And what does that mean as a believer, but chapter number four and really chapter number five deal with observational truths tonight. And, and chapter number four really deals with what we call the outside. Well, chapter number five is going to deal with what is, a, what, what is my identity on the inside, so to speak. How can, how can I look at somebody or look at myself and, and see some characteristics of somebody that is in Christ or is, that is saved by the grace of God. And here's the thing, observational truth, that what you observe and that what you're able to see and that what you're able to kind of, kind of compare and judge tonight, it helps you and I realize the fakes from the reals or from those who just simply claim to those who are genuinely authentic tonight. Now here's the thing tonight, some people are really good at making it look like they, they know what they're doing or they are somebody who they're, or they're just pretending to be that tonight. Here's the thing, right? If I came in here and I had all the regalia and all the outfits of a firefighter on tonight and I, I've got the cool little helmet, I've got the breathing apparatus, the oxygen tank, the fireproof gear, the boots on, all that kind of stuff. Got my little radio right here and all of a sudden somebody said, there's a fire right over there. And, and I said, oh, I, I, I'm not going in there. But you got everything you need. You said you're a firefighter, right? And so observational truths help us realize what is what's really true and what people really are. Here, Paul restates his identity in chapter number four, verse number one. What does he say right there? I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord. And I have no doubt tonight that Paul was somebody who not just said he was a prisoner of the Lord, but really his lifestyle and the way that he lived, you can look at him and say he obviously is a prisoner of the Lord. What he is, one who is bound by the Lord. He is one that is bound to the Lord. He, he gave his life for the gospel's sake. He, he went and reached um, untold people with the gospel. He was bound to the Lord's work. He was held captive by what God had done for him. I, I don't think Paul Paul ever got over what happened that day when he was headed to Damascus. I don't think Paul ever stopped and said, you know what? I mean, I've seen the Lord. He spoke to me. He's done wonderful things for me. He's, he's provided for me and all these kind of, he's, he, I don't think Paul ever said, you know what? I don't want to do this no more. Right, even, even when Paul said, you know, I'm in a betwixt between two places, knowing that I'd rather go to where the Lord is in heaven, but it's more needful for me, for me to stay here. Paul said, whatever the Lord wants, that's what I want 
for my life. And we can look at Paul and we can say Paul, no doubt, was living in his identity. You could see the observational truths in Paul's life that he was a for sure prisoner of the Lord. But we see it or not, here he is, he said, the prisoner of the Lord, and the next word is the word beseech. I mean, that word means almost to the point of begging somebody, pleading with somebody to do something. Well, what is Paul pleading with you and I to do tonight? Look what it says, that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. Paul said, don't just settle for the fact that you're in Christ. Don't just settle for the fact that you know how you got in Christ. Don't just settle for the fact that you know who you are in Christ, your identity. He said, at the same time, he said, continue to pursue that. Walk worthy of the identity that God has given you. And in essence, tonight, well, what, how do you know the worth of something? How do we know that we are walking a life and living a life that is worthy to be called a, a somebody that is in Christ tonight? Well, in anything tonight, if you're going to find the worth of it, you have to measure it by a standard. You have to measure it by a certain guideline, a certain truth tonight, uh, in essence, to know what the real value is because some people say things are valuable and they're not. How do they know that? Well, they put it, they put it up against the standard, and the standard dictates the value of it. How many of you know that you got some things in your house tonight, and they are far more valuable in sentimental value than they are in actual value tonight? It could just be a piece of paper, things like, just like this Bible here tonight. In essence, why well, I, I don't I didn't pay for this one. This one came from Brother Sonny. It replaced the one that I lost, but I think this Bible is around eighty-nine dollars, ninety dollars, somewhere in that neighborhood. And and but tonight, in reality, the truth that is in it tonight is is invaluable. Right? It is it is God's word tonight. But we see here tonight that when it comes to a understanding and knowing for sure that you and I are walking worthy of our identity in Christ. There are some observational truths tonight that we can make or there are some standards tonight that we can uh, take our life and measure up against and say, all right, I'm meeting these standards or I'm pursuing these standards and therefore I am pursuing a walk that is worthy of my identity in Christ. Oh, preacher, you're gonna preach on standards? Just give me a few minutes tonight. I'm not preaching on white shirts and, and haircuts and, 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 and hemlines, all that kind of stuff tonight. I'm preaching on some standards tonight that apply to every Christian, to every Christian. Because listen, the, the hemline standard does not apply to me tonight. Right, if you're measuring my hemline, we got more problems than we do issues tonight. But we see here tonight, well, what do you mean by that? In essence tonight, when Jesus and Matthew, Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. In essence, there's some things tonight that people ought to be able to look at us and say, because of what they do, because of how they walk, obviously their identity is not one that is based just in this world, but their identity is based in one named Christ. And so tonight there's some things that you and I, we can look back and we can measure by these standards to see if we have a walk that is worthy. How can I know I'm walking worthy of a Christian? By measuring your walk the standards outlined here in Ephesians chapter number four. I believe every Christian can have a worthy walk by making sure the following standards are present in their walk tonight. And I don't want to come down and, and be mean tonight. My, my, my heart tonight is to encourage you that if your walk doesn't meet these standards, then by the grace of God, go to the Lord and say, all right, Lord, I'm, I'm done walking that way. I want to have a walk that is worthy of my identity in Christ. So here's standard number one tonight. Standard number one tonight, there will be appreciation of unity. There will be an appreciation of unity. Verse number one, we'll cover verses one through 15 when we deal with this point tonight. One of the greatest blessings 
And our church currently is the unity of our church. I mean, I've just, I mean, it's one of those places, there's some pastors who when they go to church, it is like, oh man, I have to go here. Right, I, I gotta show up because I'm the pastor, but I really don't wanna be there because there's so much fighting and there's so much, uh, just all that going on within the church, backbiting and it's tense and all that. I'm glad it's not that way here tonight. I'm glad that we are a unified, now we're not perfect tonight, we're not, we don't have it all figured out tonight, but I, I think at the moment in, in our, our, our current state of the church, we are a very unified church. We get along, we love each other, there's not great problems and great issues tonight that are about to split the church down well, preacher, how in the world did we achieve such unity? Is it all because we're on the same spiritual level? <laughs> no, tonight we're all in different spiritual growth points in our life tonight, and that's how it ought to be. That's how it's supposed to be. As, as people get saved, they begin to grow in Christ. Those who are learned take them under the wing and help them to get to where they are. But in reality is we all are growing in our Christian life. And so it's not because we are all at the same spiritual level and we're all sitting at the same spiritual height. Therefore, that's why we're all unified tonight. Well, if it's not that, is it because we're in agreement on every aspect of life? We, we agree on every aspect of life. And tonight, we don't. There's things about life that you and I are going to disagree on. I'm not talking about doctrine. I'm not, we'll deal with that in just a few minutes. But I'm talking about every aspect of life. Let me ask you, is your favorite team the same as my favorite team? <laughs> is your favorite food the same as my favorite food? <laughs> I got a long list, amen. So we might have some that are in, <laughs> in, in unison there. But it's not because we are agreeing on every aspect of life that we have unity in essence tonight, there are things that you and I disagree on, and yet it does not affect our unity because really it is, it is superficial things, the things in the light of eternity that really don't matter. And so, well, if it's not that, preacher, it's just because we're robots programmed a lot. We have no personality. We have no uniqueness. We're all really just the same, and, and we're all just, no, that's not how it is tonight. We're all different. We're all unique tonight. And here's the thing. If we all came in, looked the same, dressed the same, talked the same, and acted the same, I'd be scared. Matter of fact, if you go somewhere and that's how everybody is, run. <laughs> One, you're going to tear it up. Two, they're probably a cult. But see here tonight, well, then how did we get here, preacher? Well, the answer is right there in verse number three. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. I mean, here's the thing. You probably didn't get up and say, you know what? I'm going to go to church and no matter what happens, I'm going to make sure we're unified. It doesn't matter what, I'm going to go in there if somebody's got something to say. Oh, I'm going to take them out. That way we stay unified. No, but when we come together and we come for the sole purpose to worship God, to let God be God, to put him in his, allow him to be in his proper place, not just in our lives personally, but as a church tonight, when we're led by the Spirit, we come in here and we're endeavoring or pursuing and we're working towards to exert oneself, to give, one, to give diligently to tonight. That's what the word exert, uh, endeavor means tonight. When we come with that heart and that desire to lift up the Lord tonight, that's a, uh, the byproduct of that is unity. We're unified as a body of believers. We've endeavored for it, and it wasn't through compromise. We haven't given up no truth around here. We haven't, st we haven't stepped back and said, you know what, that's what God's word says, but in order not to offend somebody, we're not gonna deal with that. Or we're not gonna stand on that truth. Listen, God's word is true. We're not gonna back down from what God has said is true, what God has said is right, because that's not how you unify something. It's not through compromise. It's not through callous. I just gave up. I'm just, I'm just here. I've given up concern. It doesn't matter, preacher. You know, I'll do whatever you want to do, even though I don't want to. 
That's not how you get unity. It's through a concerted effort, through the Spirit of God, pursuing and allowing God to guide each and every one of us tonight. But here's the thing tonight. If you're having a walk that is worthy, there will be an appreciation of unity. Well, how do you appreciate unity? First of all, there must be an acceptance of beliefs. There must be an acceptance. Look at verse number four. There is one body and one spirit, even as we are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all tonight. That's something that it, I dare you to try to say verse number six eight times fast, amen? You'll get, you get messed up somewhere. Sound like an auctioneer. But here's the thing. There's some things tonight that you and I, if we're gonna be unified, we are gonna be on the same page on some things. We're gonna hold some things to be true and you may not be able to completely understand it and you may not be able to completely uh, grasp it in a sense, but yet God's word says it. Therefore, though you may not understand it, you are willing to stand under it. You're, or you're willing to stand on it tonight and allow and believe God's word to be true even when you fully comprehend tonight. Now, here's some things tonight that you and I, if we're going to maintain unity and have a continued unity in our church, we're going to have to agree on. There is one body. There is but one body tonight. There is one body made up of, of born-again believers tonight. There is but one body, uh, the body of Christ tonight. Yes, there's many churches, but there is but one body of Christ tonight. He goes on to say right there in verse number four, and one spirit. There ain't but one Holy Spirit. He don't change denominations. He don't change as you go from church. There is but one Holy Spirit, and it's the Holy Spirit of the Bible. He'll guide you into all truth tonight. He's a part of the Trinity, and we now, there isn't but one of them tonight. The same Holy Spirit that convicted me of my sin is the same Holy Spirit that convicted me of your sin and their sin and everybody's sin tonight. There ain't but one Holy Spirit tonight. We're gonna have to agree on that if we're gonna have unity. There ain't but one body. Then go down to verse number four. There ain't but one hope. There ain't but one hope tonight, and it definitely, it definitely isn't in the White House tonight. It definitely isn't in your job. It definitely it isn't in your 401K or your IRA or all those other letters put together tonight. It's not, it is in God's finished work, God's plan of salvation, the gospel tonight. There is but one hope for man, and it is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. There ain't but one hope. There ain't but one Lord, one Jesus, one Savior. <laughs> We preacher may laugh because I, I know I'm, what I'm fixing to tell y'all. <laughs> we were going through Walmart the other day and we were trying to find ornaments for the kids uh, for Christmas. We set up our Christmas tree and all that. We were trying to find ornaments. And my son, he says, look, Dad, there's a black Santa Claus. <laughs> and then there's a white Santa Claus. <laughs> he said, which one's the real one? Oh, I'm about to get in bad trouble right here. <laughs> Neither. <laughs> but there ain't but one Jesus. There ain't a black Jesus and a white Jesus. There ain't but one Jesus tonight. He's the son of God. He's the one that died on the cross of Calvary. He's the one that rose again the third day. He's the one that's seated in heaven right now at the right hand of the Father. There ain't but one Jesus tonight. <laughs> Goes on to say right there, there ain't but one, one, one Lord, one faith. There ain't but one real faith. Oh, there's many different faiths, preacher. There, oh, 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 happy Olstein said, well, there's many different trails up a mountain. They all lead to the same place. There ain't but one faith. There ain't one way to get in Christ. It is by grace through faith tonight. There ain't but one faith tonight. The complete and total dependence upon that which the Lord did on the cross of Calvary, the resurrection of the Savior, and the gospel night, there is but one faith. There's only one baptism. 
There's only one baptism tonight. The outward expression of an inward work. And, and I know down through the centuries it's changed and people have their opinions, this, that, and the other. But I guess there ain't but one baptism. John said the baptism of remission of sins tonight. There's only one baptism according to the word of God. There's one God and one Father. There's only one tonight. There's, a, there's not a... <laughs> Now we say like this, you know, he is my God and he is tonight. But in reality is my God is your God if you're saved by the grace of God. There is but one God tonight. There's only one tonight. And I was studying this out of my office and boy, I got excited because the same God that called me out of my religious lifestyle is the same God that pulled some of y'all out of the bars and pulled some of y'all out of a life full of those kind of sins. It's the same God that saved Jordan and saved these young ones so they don't have to go into that kind of lifestyle. It's the same God that's called you back into the fold that has brought you back into the house. The same God that's helped you is the same God that's helped me. Why? There is but one tonight. Boy, it's Wednesday night, but I feel like preaching, amen. <laughs> Boy, if we're going to be unified, there's some, there's some beliefs tonight that we're going to have to accept. But there's also, if we're going to be unified, there's, there must be an appreciation of gifts. Look at verse number seven. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Let me ask you tonight, if you measured what Christ gave to us, what did he gave us all, Gave all of himself, all of his blood, all of his life, all of who he was. He laid on the cross of Calvary. All of who he was rose up out of the grave. All that he gave for you and I, is, is that's the, he gave us all of himself so you and I could enjoy all of his grace tonight. Notice the measure of the gift of Christ, the gift of grace. You wanna know how you say, stay unified or you realize you get a church full of people who say the only reason why I'm here is because of the grace of God. If I had done it my way, if I had done it the way that everybody else told me to do it, if I had gone my own path, my life would be miserable. The fact that my mind is still together, the fact that my home is still together, the fact that I have my sanity, the fact that I have joy and peace, it is not what I've done. It is purely the grace of God tonight. Well, if we're going to be a unified church, we're going to have to appreciate grace, amen. Not only the gift of grace, but verse number 11, we were just there Sunday night, we're going to have to appreciate the gift of leaders. The gift of leaders. Well, how do you show appreciation to the pastor? And no doubt, y'all y'all show that on, during October. Y'all were a blessing to our family, no doubt. And I'm grateful for that tonight. But listen, I, I'm grateful for all the gifts and all the times you stop by and you say things like this, preacher, I left such and such in your office. Can I say that I, <laughs> I lost that, that weight when I couldn't eat because I had those sores in my mouth? But I think it's coming back. <laughs> People show up and preach, I, I left you a little something in your office. Little Debbie. <laughs> little Debbie hanging out in the office. Little Debbie gonna give me diabetes. But I'm thankful for those, but that, that, that's not just what I'm talking about tonight. How do you really show appreciation for a leader? You allow them to lead. In essence, you allow them to do what God has placed them in your life to do. And we covered that Sunday night. What is, what is the purpose of a leader? Verse number 12, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ tonight. So if we're going to be unified tonight, one, they're going to accept some beliefs tonight. That what God's word says about God and what God's word says about faith and our, and our walk with Christ, we're going to have to accept that as true. We're going to have to be, there's going to have to be appreciation of gifts, the grace and the leaders that God has given us. But there's also going to be an acceptance of growth. An acceptance, look at verse number 13. 
Now I'm going to show you tonight where we're all living. We're all living in one word in verse number 13. Till we all come into the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. You know where we're all living? We're all living the word till. <laughs> we're all living the word till, right? I, as far as I know, none of us have arrived tonight. None of us have complete and total knowledge of all that God has done for us. And let, let me let you in on a little secret. You ain't gonna know that until you get to heaven. We're all living until, in verse number 13. Until we get there, we're gonna understand that we're all growing in the Christian life. Now listen, I'm just like you. There's sometimes in my, uh, being a Christian and living my life and, and trying to help others that I get frustrated because I step back and say, they ought to know that by now. They ought to, that ought not to be a problem to them. What's wrong with them? The Holy Spirit, well, what about this in your life? Hey, 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 hey. Lord, I wasn't dealing with myself here. I was dealing with them. But we realize we're all living in the word till. We're all growing. We'll learn to appreciate one another and appreciate your walk in Christ and my walk in Christ as we walk together serving the Lord. We're all living in the word till in verse number 13 but we're all pursuing verse number 14. That we forth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. We're all growing and we're all saying, I, I don't want to do that no more. I don't want to live that confused life being tossed to and fro from one side to the next and, 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 and not knowing where, whether I'm going forward or backwards, just trying my best to bumble through life. No, I want to have a purpose-filled life tonight, and that is found in Christ and learning who I am in Christ tonight. But there must be an acceptance of growth. Let me ask you now, your walk as a Christian marked by an appreciation of unity. You appreciate the things that God has given you and how they bring you together with your church family or with the body of Christ. Standard number one, there must be an appreciation of unity. Standard number two tonight, there must be an application of truth. If we're going to be unified tonight, we're not, we, we, the, the, the key to Christian life isn't just knowing truthful things and knowing facts tonight or knowing things that are true, but it is taking that truth and applying it to the things of life. In essence, when we, oftentimes, when, especially even in my Sunday school class, we are encouraging those young people to learn and memorize Bible verses. Not so they can go to summer camp and win the scripture memorization or scripture reciting competition. It's so that when they grow older, it is more than just something that they, they learn. It is something they can take and apply in their daily life. Well, I want a kid to learn before he turns 25 to not lean on his own understandings. I want a young person to learn before they, they, they get too far, they, 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 they find themselves deeper than they wanted to go to not set any evil thing before their eyes. I want them to learn those truths tonight. And here's the thing, if they're gonna learn them, they're gonna have to learn them from you and I. They're gonna have to see them in our life. They're gonna have to see those that are leading them and those that are above them, so to speak, those who have the authority over them, not just knowing true things and telling them true things, but watching us apply those truths in our lives. There must be an application to truth. Why? The world is void of truth. Look at verse number 17. Therefore I say, or this I say therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you henceforth not walk, or walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God, through the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling, have given themselves over lasciviousness to work all uncleanliness and greediness. That's what the world's full of. It's full of vain truth. 
Vain truth isn't real truth. Absence of real value tonight. Their truths are robbing people of their inerrant and, and their, their value of God, as God's creation. These young people that, that are growing up in our country and in our, our generation tonight, they're facing battles that you and I thought were, that were unthought of when I was coming up and that were unthought of when you were coming up. Listen, when I was coming up, even at, I mean, I grew up in the 90s, amen, I'm not that old, but at the same time, when I was growing up, I, no one ever came to me and said, hey, I want to let you know that I really wasn't born a boy. They made a mistake. That, that, was, that was unheard of when I was a young child. I, was, I wasn't concerned with those things. I was trying to get on the Nickelodeon and win, win me one of them, some of them pump-up Reeboks. But that's what they're growing up and that's what they're going to have to deal with, right? And that's, but you're, you're seeing a generation that is, that they're, they're, they, are, they are going towards the world's truth, which is actually false, and trying to live a meaningful life behind it. And they have to get up every morning and tell themselves, this, I'm a mistake. I, I'm a, I, God messed up, but it's not true tonight. You and I are fearfully and wonderfully created tonight. God doesn't make mistakes. God knows what he's doing and God knew what he was doing when he created you and I tonight. And so we see tonight that, that the world's truth is vain. It's actually absence of any real value. It's darkened. Look what it says right there in verse number 17. Give me verse number 18. Having their understanding darkened. The absence of light, light or the loss of light. The, the lessening of hope. Once again, when I was growing up, I was not concerned. I, I didn't know what the word depression meant. I thought that was just the area that my grandmother grew up in. And that was what the, the glass that she collected was called green depression glass. But it's amazing how many kids under the age of 15, 18 for sure, who every day get up and are battling things like depression who are having suicidal thoughts. and Why? Because the, the, not only is the truth wrong, but the actual, the, the light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak, the, the, the that light that they're looking forward to is getting darker and darker. It's being darkened. It's the lessening of hope. Alienated, that word means to be removed from. The truth that this world offered is removed from God's truth tonight. Here's the thing. For every reality and every truth that God has, Satan has a counterfeit. Satan has a counterfeit tonight, and that, that is alien, it's removed from God. It's, it's far from the life that God desires every person to live. And the truth of this world's blinding. It's blinding. Look what it says right there in uh, verse number 18. Because of the blindness of their heart, this world's truth doesn't empower you, it actually handicaps you. It handicaps you, it causes you to walk through life blind. I'm glad for the truth of God's word. Well, I'm glad it was true when it convicted me. But I'm glad as I walk the Christian life, it continues to be true. It illuminates my mind and my life tonight. Preacher, what's the result of the world's truth? Verse number 19. If all you have is the world's truth, the world's ways, the world's vanity, you'll find yourself in verse number 19 who, feeling past, or who have been past feeling. In essence, they've lost the, the feeling of the conscience. They've lost conviction. Have given themselves over to lasciviousness to work all in cleanliness and greediness. Notice what it says, to give themselves over. There's a choice. They gave themselves over. Why? They were living a life based on the world's truth. 
It leaves you void of real satisfaction. Why must, we have, why must there be an application of truth? One, we're living in a world that has no truth. But notice, why must there be an application? Because our truth has a singular source. Look at verse number 20. But you have not so learned Christ. If so, be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Tonight, preacher, where do we get truth from? Well, I read a book in college and I just pulled it out of it. No, that's not where we get truth from. Where do we get truth from, preacher? Well, I went and found an encyclopedia and I read through it and I, and I found truth. No, that's not where we get truth from. Where do we get truth from? Well, I turned on Wikipedia and I, I found out some truth. Wikipedia is not true tonight. That tonight, where do we, we get our truth from the word of God? Where, well, where did the word of God come? It came from God. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. And to go down and Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, where do we, we get truth from? That's why Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life tonight. Listen, not, not, what he said was true, what he did was true, and he himself is 100% completely true. And that's why we can trust our truth because of who it came from and who it is tonight. My truth just is an information. It is a person tonight. Our truth has a singular source, but notice this, real truth molds you. Real truth, when you apply it, it molds you. Look at verse number, well, what does it mold us to? Verse 15, but speaking the truth in love. May grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. When you and I take God's truth and we apply God's truth or the truth of Christ in our life, when we apply it in our life, guess who we become more like? Not the preacher, not your mama, not your daddy. Not the president, praise the Lord. <laughs> you become like Christ. Why? It's his truth. Real truth molds you to be like Christ. Grow into him. In what, well, in what areas, preacher? Are you talking about church attendance, shouting, praising the Lord, running down the aisles? No, look what it says in verse number 15. In all things. In all things. I, I, I know some people, they, 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 they are, they're, they're good Christian people. They, I generally think they love the Lord, but they think it's okay to separate certain aspects of life, right? You know, I'm going to be a Christian at church. I'm going to be a Christian on my job site, and I'm going to be a Christian around my family, and I'm going to be a Christian in front of my boss, but when it comes to side businesses and, and, and dealing with money, uh, you know, it's business, preacher. You got, you got to do business. Well, the Bible tells me that as I begin to learn truth, I become like Christ in all things. Let me ask you, you think Christ ever did a, a bad deal? Ever took advantage of somebody? No, it, it molds us in all areas of life. Real truth molds you. One, to be like Christ, but real truth, watch this, verse number 16, molds you to fit into your place. Look at verse number 16. From the whole body, fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Not only does the truth of Christ make you more like Christ, but it helps you to fit into your place in the body of Christ. It fitly joins you together. How many of you have ever had something go out of joint? <laughs> mm, it ain't a fun feeling, is it? We watch those videos and those guys just shove it back in. I, I can't do that. Take me to the hospital. <laughs> Put me under. Wake me back up when you got it back in place. Here's the thing. Truth, it'll, it'll help the body of Christ by being exactly where you are supposed to be in the body of Christ. If we're going to be unified, there has to be an application of truth because when we apply truth, it puts us where exactly we're supposed to be. And when everything is exactly where it's supposed to be, you know what that's called? Unity. It's exactly where it's supposed to be. Let me ask you tonight, is your Christian walk marked 
by a personal application of truth. You don't just say amen, but then you, you take that and you say, all right, I said amen, now I'm going to apply it. I'm going to allow it to, God's truth to mold me to be like him, but also to fit my place in the body of Christ. So if we're going to have unity, there must be an application of truth. There must be an appreciation of unity tonight. Notice number three, there must be an allowance for the spirit. There must be an allowance for the spirit. As a parent, I'm the one who sets the allowance for my kids. Preacher, your kids get allowance? Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> my kids are like, well, we got, we got an allowance? <laughs> no. I'm not talking about the, the money uh, that, you know, some, some, you got $1 every, every week. That's your allowance. You live off that. <laughs> you save it up. <laughs> I'm not talking about an allowance, but I'm pretty sure they wish they had an allowance that I would just give them money every week. TR, not too long ago, he was uh, going through his money in his wallet and he counted it up. He had over $100. And uh, he said, what? I got over $100? We said, yes. He said, this whole time, I've been living like I'm poor. <laughs> I've got $100 in my wallet. But when I'm talking about allowances, I set, me and Ms. Becky set what they are allowed to do. Some things they're allowed to do because we allow them. And some things they're not allowed to do because we don't allow them to do those things. But here's the thing. In every instance, the choice is theirs to obey or not to obey. To obey or disobey. Tonight, the same is true concerning the Christian life. And concerning the Christian life, will, will we allow the Holy Spirit to guide us and lead us? Or will we not? Now, here's the thing. We see here in the rest of chapter 22, verses or verse 22 through verse 32, we see two signs of a spirit-led life. In essence, you can look at somebody. I understand that we can't open up someone's heart to see if they're really saved or not. You know, open up, Jesus, are you in there? We can't do that tonight. But there are some observational truths. You can step back and say, they are more than likely being spirit-led right now. They are more than likely allowing the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, to guide them and direct them. Here's two signs of a spirit-led life, or spirit-led life tonight. There will be a putting off, verse number 22, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. You go down to verse, excuse me, verse number 25 tonight. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth to his, with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that steal, stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands. The thing which is good that he may give, have to give to him that needeth it. Verse number 30, grieve not. Or verse number 20, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Verse number 30, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Verse number 31, let all bitterness and wrath. In essence, a spirit-filled man or a spirit-filled woman tonight, well, there will be a putting off, and they'll be putting those things off tonight. And here's the thing tonight, you can see something, you can, you, can, you, can, you can know somebody and look at somebody and say, yeah, the Holy Spirit ain't leading them real quick. The Holy Spirit ain't leading them right now. And I'm not preaching at you, I'm preaching to myself. There's times in my life where it is evident that I am allowing my flesh to win. I'm allowing my flesh to make the choice for me. Putting off the old man's heart, verse number 22, there's deceitful lust, lusting after the things that we know are wrong, but also putting off the old man's ways, that conversation, that's what the word means, a lifestyle, putting off dishonesty in verse number 25, wherefore putting away lying. I mean, that's pretty, pretty simple there, putting away lying, y'all not to lie. Pretty sure God said that back in the Old Testament too. God ain't changed his mind about lying. And no, 
being, being wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove does not give you the entitlement to lie. <laughs> Figure I'd deal with that while I was there. Dishonesty, uncontrolled anger in verse number 26. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun, or let sun go down upon thy wrath. Go down to verse number 31. And let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Here's the thing. You can tell when somebody's walking in their old man, so to speak. They're allowing the old man to control. There's uncontrolled anger. There's unchecked accountability. Look at verse number 27. Neither give place to the devil. They didn't get up and say, you know what? Is there areas of my life that I'm allowing Satan to get a foothold in and, and, and a handhold to? There's unchecked accountability. There's un, unearned rewards. Verse number 28. Let him that stole us steal no more. But rather let him labor, right? The, the, the work of the Christian life or the, the way of the Christian life, it's a work. It's a battle. It's a fight. This whole thing that, you know, I'm, I'm going to steal my way and get all, it don't work that way. There's unearned rewards. There's unedifying speech in verse number 25. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But that which is good to the use of the edifying that you may minister grace unto the hearers. Let me ask you this, this week alone, those that you talked to, they, did they hear grace? Or did they hear corrupt communication? That's not, if we're, if we're going to be a unified church, there has to be an allowance of the Spirit. We have to allow the Spirit to remind us and, and give us a power to put off the old man. Not let the old man, because listen, if we all walk in here living after the flesh and for the flesh, this thing will bust up quicker than I could even count to three. Right? There's, there will be, have to be a putting off, but also there has to be a putting on. Look at verse number 24. And that you put on the new man. And after God is created in righteousness and true, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. There has to be, a, well, here's the thing, when you put on the new man, there's a remembered position. I am in the righteousness of God. I'm a new man. I'm a new creature. That, that I'm, I'm created in righteousness. In essence, I have been sanctified. God, through the Holy Spirit, and God, through the, the finished work of Christ, now I can actually make a right choice. I can do that which is right. I've, I've been sanctified. I, I've been given the power to do the, that through God. But not just I've been created in righteousness, but I've also been created in true holiness. True holiness. I've been set apart for a specific purpose for a specific reason, to bring glory and honor to the Lord Jesus Christ. There has to be a remembered position, but also when we put on the new man, there is a revealed plan. Look at verse number 32. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. You'll be concerned. You'll be kind towards people. You'll be tenderhearted towards them. <laughs> That's one of the things, being a Christian, that has amazed me. Things that used to not bother me, Things that used to not pull at my heartstrings, so to speak, boy, they tear me up now. I, get, I mean, I get so, 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 just so almost emotional. I got to do something now to help these people. I used to not be like that. What is it? That's the new man that God has put inside of me. I, he's put kindness and tenderheartedness. In, and now, listen, I'm a man. But also, as a man of God, we ought to be tenderhearted. We ought to be kind. But notice here, not, not just the revealed plan to be concern for people, but also be compassionate towards people, forgiving one another. Forgiving one another. Why? Because they deserve it. Nope. Why? Because they apologized. Nope. Why? Why should we forgive those that have done us wrong? Why should we forgive those who have spoke out against us? Why should we forgive those who have, who are on purpose have hurt us for Christ's sake? Because Christ forgave us. Sometimes we got to step back and remember we ain't perfect either. We ain't perfect either. Now listen, I, I, you also have to preach that in its full context tonight. That when you forgive somebody, it doesn't mean you have to be their best friend again. It doesn't mean you have to have, to have things the way they used to be. 
Here's the thing tonight. There's, there's things in my life that I know that God has forgiven me of. Right? I know that they have, they're underneath the blood of Christ tonight. But what did he tell that, that woman? Go and sin no more. In essence, if God delivered you from, from, from that thing or from that kind of place or those kind of people tonight, it doesn't mean that complete forgiveness is you have to go hang out with them again. You have to go put yourself in that position tonight. But rather, it says, you know what? God has forgiven me, but I don't want to go back there. I don't want to put myself in that position again tonight. And so we realize tonight that the new man is a man who is one concerned, or one, it's also compassionate. You're willing to forgive one another for Christ's sake. Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. You didn't deserve forgiveness. And neither did I tonight. We are forgiven on the, on the, on the account of Christ tonight because Christ went in our place this evening. So we're going to have unity tonight. There has to be an allowance of the Spirit, allowing the Spirit of God to lead you. Let me ask you tonight, is your walk marked by one who is being led by the Spirit? What does a worthy walk, or what does a walk that is worth our identity tonight in Christ, what does that look like? Well, there's an allowance of the Spirit. There's an appreciation of unity. There's an application of truth tonight. Are those standards in your daily walk? Are those standards in your walk as a Christian tonight? Let's pray.